Thursday, May the 26th in Los Angeles. It is Friday, May the 27th in Australia. This is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And I'm Charlie Clawson, and we're speaking really quickly because we don't know how long this connection's going to last. Uh, I have just recorded the weirdest solo podcast going through all our troubles we've been having on Skype. Because once again... I mean, it was nice when we got to do that podcast, Charlie. I feel like we're the West Coast Eagles of podcasting. Because when we're in the same room... This podcast is a breeze. We yeah. are the flat track bullies of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to being on the road, yeah. our game falls apart. We've got to be an anywhere, anytime podcast, Charlie. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I think that when we are in the same room, we can sort of get the crowd into it as well. You know what I mean? Which tends to be Ramona or Winnie. <laughs> We get them on side. Right. I mean, it helps. It's like the dancing dogs. They're our mascots. They, yeah, yeah. they get us ready. And what a lot of people don't know is, because uh, we know Danny McGinlay, he actually does us up a, a banner for every episode yeah. that we run in. Uh, it's always got something really funny about the podcast on it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. I think we've only recorded this podcast in person like twice. And it normally takes a bit longer because we, we generally play Never Tear Us Apart before we start recording. <laughs> I mean, and we sing it to Ramona and Winnie, which is, I mean, they don't enjoy, to be honest. They weren't big NXS fans and they don't get it, but we do it every week. Now, I do not to alarm people, but I can hear you still, but uh, just so people know, I'm staring at a frozen image of Will Anderson. So just keep talking and hopefully, oh, no, you've caught up. You're back to normal now. Okay, brilliant. Well, I could see you talking the entire time. So uh, just for everybody at home. So should we get into it while we're actually here? Should we? Yeah. Yeah, let's. what, what, What? Our our, our traditional recap, five days after the last game was played. (laughs) Like, I can't even remember some of these games. Yeah. The funny thing is, I I listen to a lot of football podcasts myself, and a lot of them, I get really annoyed if they're a bit late coming up on the Monday. So I can only imagine how annoying it is to get this podcast on Friday. I mean, it's, it's terrible. We literally release it. Basically, as soon as it becomes... It's like keeping milk until it's about to expire and then trying to sell it. That's all we are. We're, yeah. we're, da- we're day-old bread. Yeah. We are almost expired milk. We're the, we're the dodgy milk bar of podcasts. Right. We're just like, we're your only option at this time of the night podcast. I think last week, we got the episode up 20 minutes into the first quarter. <laughs> Of Sydney versus Hawthorne. Because I had a lot of people hitting me up saying, dude, I'm on the tram. I'm on the way to the football. This is my this is my routine. I normally listen to this show. Where is it? I'm like, mate, at quarter time, plug it in. You can listen to five minutes of it. It'll be great. <laughs> I mean, it is one of those things like footy tipping, that if we can't get it out by the time of the first bounce of the first game, then maybe, maybe we just have to get the away podcast. <laughs> we put but- up an episode of Junk Time. <laughs> Now the first the first game was uh, uh, Sydney versus Hawthorne, which uh, it's been, a lot of people I uh, read didn't think it was a very good game. I loved it. I thought it was really good. I mean, in the end, uh, Sydney got away uh, quite easily, but it was like an arm wrestle for 
two quarters. It was like it was weird. I think there was only like four goals kicked to half time or something like that. It was kind of almost like a like a Frio Carlton score, but it was two really really good teams just not allowing each other to score. Did you see any of it? Yeah, uh, I mean, there was some of it that you couldn't help but see. Here's what I love, uh, which was obviously part of the Swans. Was it at the? It was at the MCG too, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. people say that Buddy is best at the SCG, and I think this game really proved that because he kicked one of his goals from the SCG <laughs> to the MCG. That was like when Buddy wheels around on three steps from the middle of the ground and kicks a goal from. Uh, well, when I first saw it, about 75 metres. By the time I heard about it on the footy podcast the next day, it's about 95 yeah. metres. Yeah. But it was, it was only, it was only a few metres short of like the middle of the ground. I mean, it, it, right. it, it was, it was 70 and it skidded through, but it was, it was, I think it was just the kind of the, 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 just the, the laconic nature of the way he kicked it. Like he dobbed it as if he was standing at the top of the goal square, just turning around and, bending it over his shoulder. It was just so easy. That's, I just don't understand how he does it. The way he went from that standing start, you know, because he'd actually stopped to receive the ball, and mm. then he kind of just wheels around, and in the power in those, like, three or four, like, maybe five steps to just, like, bang and go. And it doesn't matter if it bounces and goes through. Like, you're allowed to dribble the ball through. That counts. Measure yeah. from the base, people. Measure from the base. That is a 90-meter goal. But is that the first 70-meter kick you've seen that hasn't been a torp? Like, that was a drop punt. Yeah, I mean, it was... You, you, you shave some meters when you let it land. Like, yeah. even not just the roll-on, but you get all those, like, meters that if someone's going to mark it or punch it or whatever that you don't really get. And mm. it makes it look a little longer, I think. Mm. It's, you know, essentially, it looks longer if it bounces. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people have, sh you know, shaved the pubes down a little to get a little bit more length. That's that's the Buddy Franklin equivalent. Yeah, the male porn star of the AFL. Well, in more than ways than one from what I've heard. <laughs> I mean, he is killing it. The other thing about that game is, does it prove Sydney's credentials? Because apparently they can't play the MCG. I mean, they do pretty well at the MCG for a team that can't play at the MCG. No, I think, I mean, they're definitely... Real in real contention for this year's flag, you've got to say. And they did that thing like Mitchell tagging Sam Mitchell. Yeah. You know, what did we think of that? <laughs> it's one of those things where you're like, every week they say they should tag Sam Mitchell. And there seems to have been this prevailing wisdom in the AFL that, you know, Sam Mitchell doesn't hurt you enough that you tag him or whatever, that, what, or the new defense is structured in a way that if you have a tag or it hurts your team defense or whatever. But then someone tags him and Hawthorne get beaten. you beat them. Yeah. Right. It's like, what? Well, maybe you should just try. Like, every time someone does it, it seems to work. Mm. Although I did hear Sam Mitchell interviewed on the radio and Caroline Wilson asked him about that. They were like, mm. oh, should other teams tag you? Like, firstly, what is he going to say to that? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Could they? Like, clearly I play shit when people tag me. So, yeah, no, could they do that? That'd be great. But secondly, he got shitty about it. He goes, oh, well, people do play on me like that every week. Just normally I'm good enough to beat them. Oh, did he really and say that? Like, yeah, I was like, oh. And he said it in a kind of nicer way than that. But right. I'm paraphrasing him a little. But you could tell <laughs> that's what he was really saying. was like, fuck you, Caroline Wilson. <laughs> did you notice uh, Kieran Jack lining up on the wing or the half-forward flank. He's not even in their midfield anymore. Kieran Jack cannot crack the Swans' midfield. Kieran Jack is the Sydney Swans' fifth-best midfielder. I'll take him. Can we take him? He would never leave, would he? 
No, I mean, you need that many good midfielders these days to be a champion team, I think. Like, that's the trick to it. But he's not, but, in, the, but he's not in the midfield. Don't players want to be in the engine room? Like, if you are a gun midfielder like Kieran Jack and you can't crack it, don't you start going, shit, well, I could go to another team and be the number one midfielder? No. <laughs> you just ride not everyone's coattail to a premiership? <laughs> you go, I'm Jimmy Bartel now, and yeah. I will just, you know, have a great time just yeah. being awesome. Yeah, because like, that's you but know he's not, it's less he, but, pressure. But he's not at that age yet. He's not. He's not at that age where you put him on a halfback flank and now you become a sweeper like they're doing. The Saints are doing with Lee Montagna. He's still in the prime of his career. It's just that he's way, way behind everyone else in that midfield. So if I was a recruiter, which I'm not, <laughs> thank God, because my team would be awful. But I would definitely, if I was one, if I was an up and coming team like a Melbourne or a St Kilda or whatever, I'd definitely be asking about Kieran Jack's availability. I mean, they're one of those teams, if Hawthorne hadn't had such a great midfield for the last 10 years, you'd be asking a lot of questions about who let Kennedy go. Yeah. Cause, I mean, he's been top three in their best and fairest, I think, every year pretty much since he's been there. Like, you know, he's nearly won the Brownlow a couple of times. And the one week he doesn't play, they're hopeless. I, I think th- you don't... Like, he is, a, he is a very, very good player. I think what they say about Josh Kennedy, Will, is the, he's the prototype modern midfielder. Six foot right. four. He looks like a key position player, but plays like a midfielder. In the in the old in the olden days, it'd be called a utility, I believe. Yeah, but they were normally shit in the old days. <laughs> they were the they were the footy cards you didn't want when you got to play, and it was like utility. You're like, oh fuck, uh, utility. Get a position, mate. Lock something in. Jack of all trades. <laughs> Uh, speaking of people that uh, we love on this uh, show, of mm. course, Isaac Heaney was playing again. And a uh, couple of Heaney updates, if I could. Yeah. Firstly, Eddie Maguire's got a an Oscar Heaney joke. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. He's dropped it a couple of times this week on his radio show. And they, they say, they call him, uh, oh, what did I say? So, Isaac Heaney, they, they call him Oscar Heaney. That's his joke. They call him Oscar Heaney. Because he was an Academy Award. Ah, uh, yeah. An okay. Academy. An Academy. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Because he was an Academy Award. Yeah, I get it. So is uh, get, so Eddie, Eddie going to so be you, opening for you in your uh, Perth dates? Eddie backed over that one a couple of times on the radio this week. And I was like, yeah, the reason that they didn't laugh the first time, Big Ed, wasn't because they missed the subtlety of it the first time around. <laughs> And and I think he actually I think he actually they changed it a little bit the second time I heard him. I said I think mm. the second time he given it a rewrite and he goes, They call him Oscar. He's the Academy Reward. And I actually thought that was a worse joke. <laughs> <laughs> um but Isaac Heaney, uh somebody has uh sent us Isaac Oscar Heaney's Wikipedia page. Uh, because, you know, we've been talking about the th- fact of, is there anything that Isaac Heaney can't do? You know, yeah. uh, this is just one excerpt I'm going to uh, read out from Isaac Heaney's Wikipedia page. Okay. Heaney, Heaney grew up in the Hunter region of New South Wales and attended All Saints College before completing his education at Waverley College in Sydney while playing for the Swans Academy. Yeah. He, began, he began playing soccer at the age of seven and managed to kick 68 goals oh, in 12 games. Fuck off. <laughs> what year? As a, is that as a seven-year-old? 
<laughs> Seven years old, he kicked 68 <laughs> soccer goals in 12 games. <laughs> We're not done. Oh, shit. Shortly, sh- shortly after, he picked up a cricket bat and played an age level above his own. He had a batting average of 216.2. Average? It, that was his average. He averaged 216. <laughs> Wait, so you've got to imagine more. that at some point that's been rounded down. Some of his scores have been rounded down to find the average there. He also travelled with his school to compete in a Sydney Rugby League tournament and scored five tries in his team's grand final victory. Is this, hang on, is this Isaac Heaney's Wikipedia page or Kim Jong-il? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've read it's that Isaac. one as well. Scored a Holland one on his first try and all that kind of shit. All right. It says also that he invented Apple with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. <laughs> Must be tough to be Isaac Heaney. That's unbelievable. I'm just so. Right. How come? How come he went to AFL? Like of all those sports that he was dominating at, I wonder why he went to AFL. Most money, uh, I guess. Because of the academy, mate. Yeah, but how does that work though? Like, did the academy? He had to sort of, he had to play football and then get scouted to the academy, or was he just scouted? How does the academy work? Who knows? Do they go out? So when you play junior footy, the way I remember it happening is that, you know, you would play in just our, um, we played in the, the Southern, whatever, the Southern District Football League, and that scouts from the state representative teams would come and watch each game, and then they would pick the best players to go train, and then they would pick a team from that. Is that how it worked when you played? Yeah, basically, the only academic experience I had was um, I saw this one thing on TV about it, and there was like uh, a really tall footballer, and then there was a shorter one with a squeaky voice, and there was one who could do really good impressions. That that was it, right? It was like that, yeah. but with footy. Yeah, the Mahoney yeah. Claws. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, what was the next game? What should we move on to? Here we go. Okay, so Collingwood uh, and Geelong. Now, this one, Charlie... I mean, this was one of those ones that, ah, like, how did, how did, I, mean, I blame, you, I blame you, I blame you for this. I blame you because you're the one who three weeks ago said, I keep tipping Collingwood and they keep turning out to be shit. I think you put their backs against the wall. I think you're the one who built the wall behind their backs. And now they're coming out. No one wants a Collingwood playing well. No one wants a good luck. I mean, not only are Collingwood playing well, but they're also bringing us like the heartwarming good luck story with Mason Cox kicking that goal and stuff. It's like they, we don't want that from Collingwood. If they're going to be playing well, we want them to be like the Darth Vader of the AFL where they're playing well, but we all secretly hate them or publicly hate them. But now they're playing well and it's like, oh, hasn't Buck stuck hard and, and now Mason Cox is playing well. And it's like, I don't want all these kind of heartwarming stories coming out of the Lexus Center. You know what? That's how the empire rebuilds. Everyone's like, how does the empire get back together? But the thing is that after the Death Star gets blown up, you know, after a while, people are like, you know what, I don't hate them as much as I used to. And they've they've been through some hard times. Yes, they were the evil empire. But you know yeah. what? Now, to be honest, you know, 
the rebellion, they're in charge, and they're not everyone's fucking cup of tea now. They've got cocky. Yeah, the Emperor's got a game plan that he's sticking to. It's taking a long time right. for the Stormtroopers to get a hold of it, but now finally it's starting to click, and you've just got to admire the Emperor, the way... You know, he was copying it from the media left, right, and center, and he just stuck, he just stayed firm, he had a vision, he stuck to it. Right, and I mean, look, you know, Kylo Ren isn't perfect yet, but you know what? Darth wasn't perfect at the start as well. You know, you gotta give her time, sometimes, particularly with those big leaders, you just gotta give her some time to settle in, you know? And, yeah. and then suddenly everyone's given him a chance again. <laughs> yeah, one, you're right, it's my fault. Backs one, against the will. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I'd say, about this game, what what it made me realise about this season is you just, it's so even and so open. Like Geelong were premiership favourites. I think I even sent out a tweet, like three hours before that game, Geelong were premiership favourites and then they looked ordinary against a team that aren't even in the top eight. So I don't know. I mean, I, everyone sort of talks about the Sydneys and the West Coasts and, and, and Geelongs, you know, being up there. But who knows? It feels like on the right day, anyone can beat anyone. Right. The other thing is, though, I tell you what the toughest trip in football is, Charlie. Like, everyone talks about West Coast. They have to fly every week. And some people talk about that Cairns trip or the Darwin trip being the toughest trip in football. But the trip from Moggs Creek to the G is just its just one of the tricky ones, mate. People, It's that weird in-between time. Do I have a rest? Don't yeah. I have a rest? You know? I mean, it's tough. It's tough. No, I mean, the thing about uh, Collingwood for me in this game was they just jumped Geelong. Geelong yeah. didn't come prepared and they got mm. mugged in the first quarter. And then Geelong, if they kicked straight, probably would have won. But they just, they've had two shocking weeks in a row in front of goal. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that um, Joel Selwood was tagged right out of the game. Like, I think all the, a lot of the attention always goes to Dangerfield. But, you know, Joel Selwood is the backbone of that team. And there was it Levi, Levi Greenwood? Is that... Is that a, yeah, uh, yeah. He just really solid, like tagging game. In so, fact, it's funny the Hawthorne game and the Geelong game, both the prime movers in the midfield, got tagged, and the teams won. Who would have thunk it? I know. Well, it's one of those things where coaching is always about adjustment, isn't it? Like yeah. in those first few rounds where it was like twenty goals a week every week. Like that was like when you first start dating somebody, <laughs> and it's a lot like of sex. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all the time, always having good times. But then suddenly mid-season, shit gets real in your relationship. Suddenly it's like, well, are we moving to get in together? You know, suddenly it's not as much fun. And like, that's, that's what it's, you know, that's what it is. It's settling down a bit. It's getting a bit harder, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that uh, Chris Scott has got the seven year itch with his team. It's just, you know, starting to, you know, we've got to, if we're serious about this and we need to start, you know, branching out a bit, maybe experiment a little bit, bring some other people into the midfield. You know what I mean? I still love you, baby. I still love you. <laughs> but, you know, we need to shake it up a bit. Uh, yeah, the, the, the other thing I would say about, uh, this, the game, this game is that Travis Cloak, I don't think will be getting back into this side this year. I think if I was Trav, I would start fielding some offers from Frio or whoever, whoever is still interested in him. Well, it's one of those things where, I mean, he kicked four goals in the VFL and, you know, he still is, you know, if you're going to see, I would think two things with Travis Cloak, which is, A, if you're going to see if he really does have anything left in him, you've got to play him at some stage to give him a chance to see if he is. But B, if you do feel like there is something, you want to get his value up a little bit if you're going to trade him, even if you point. are going to get rid of him. But, but um, I would, if you, if you use the sentence behind Jesse White... <laughs> Doesn't I mean, really say a lot about your career. I forgot Jesse White was still playing early We on. forgot there was playing. Remember, it's like episode two. We were asking, what does Jesse White right. do for a living these days? 
Right. Well. P- apparently plays football at Collingwood still. <laughs> <laughs> and Travis Clark can't get a game in front of that guy we forgot about. Yeah. We prematurely retired. Bucks isn't moving everybody on. We move someone on. The other thing, too, about the, the Travis Cloak decline is everyone's sort of talking about it like like it's the Frio crash. Like suddenly, you know, he went from being a gun. But it was only it was four years ago that he was a really, really, like, you know, the, the top forward in the game. So it's sort of been a gradual decline. I mean, well, how old is he? 29 or something? He's around about, I think. So he's probably yeah, got two or three is, years. If you were a Richmond or a, I don't know, North don't really need him, but like a, a Richmond or a Melbourne or, or someone who's going to be pushing in the next couple of years, then it might be worth bringing in. Oh, yeah. I think another club could get some value out what of it. What about him. the Bulldogs? You guys could do with another big forward, couldn't you? I just, I, I think we have enough big forwards. Okay. Like, B, I think that, I think that would be an old old style Bulldogs thing to do. Like, right. you know, we get in trouble and we recruit Alan Jakovic. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I was watching um, Open Mic with Ken Sheldon this week. And they were talking about when Ken, uh, coach St Kilda, took us back in the finals in the early 90s, the first time in 20 years. And uh, apparently in 1993, after we'd made the finals for the second year in a row, Collingwood came to St Kilda and said... Um, we'll give you a million dollars for Tony Lockett. We'll, you know, give you some players and a million bucks for Tony Lockett. And the club wanted to do it because they were just flat broke at the time. And Ken Sheldon was like, this is the goose that's laying the golden egg. You don't give this guy away. Like, if you give him away, you're not only tearing the heart out of the supporters, but you're actually giving away the best player in the competition. But he also said the reality was St Kilda was so flat broke. I mean, that was back when we used to, you'd go to a game and you'd see people rattling tins out the front. Like, that's how our club was staying afloat, was basically based on the change taken out of people's ashtrays, you know, in the car park. But it sort of... It, it was does... weird that they had that on their jumpers. Yeah. Like, as their major sponsor. Yeah. Loose change from people's ashtrays. Like, when they would win games, they would always thank loose change from people's ashtrays. Yeah, when they do the press conference, they'd put the uh, screen up behind them that was just, like, loose change from people's ashtrays. But it's sort of, but that was, that we got one of the guys from Loose Change from People's Ashtrays here today to actually cost, toss one of the coins, which they supplied out of their ashtray. But I think that was, uh, that's a, that, that time has since passed. I think clubs are much more professional now. And the reason why a Bulldogs wouldn't go for a Travis Cloak is that I think that it's that desperation or that kind of, you know, having to do something dramatic like that, like clubs don't, there's more, there's more than one way to skin a cat these days. So to speak, right? Although I read this uh, week that um, Collingwood is still partly playing Reese Shaw. Oh, really? Yeah, that's crazy, right? Reese Shaw, the who's retired, Reese Shaw. Oh, sorry, Heath Shaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heath Shaw. Sorry, I didn't mean to say Reese. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, he's been hasn't he been at GWS for like eight years? (laughs) Wasn't he there before they went up there? Like, (laughs) he's been there for at least three years, but. But hang on, are you guys still playing, paying Ryan, Ryan Griffin? I thought we only paid him last year. I thought we just had GWS are normally... the greatest negotiators on the planet. <laughs> They've got a team full of players they don't have to pay. <laughs> I mean, that is basically what is happening. But if like Collingwood, I mean, if Collingwood are playing, are paying for sure, you would be so disappointed about that because he has just been, he got 36 kicks or something on the weekend. It was crazy. Yeah. He took a, he took a photo of his boot and put it on an Instagram. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> It's like, might be time to change these over. It's like, you fucking cocky bastard. <laughs> right. At once, like, that just shows why they got rid of him as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I mean, who would have thought there'd be room for Steve Johnson and Heath Shaw on the same side? But there is. I mean, different ends of the field. Yes. You've got to keep them separated. <laughs> like Offspring always told us. Yeah. Uh, the next game... Like Offspring always told us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The next game was uh, Adelaide over the Gold Coast. We can sort of brush over this one because uh, I, I get depressed when I think about the Gold Coast. Unless Tony yep. Cochran's going to come out and do a press conference after every game. Um, I have very little interest in uh, what's going on at the Gold Coast. He did do a good one this week, though, when uh, they asked him about uh, Rocket Ede's contract. And he said that Rocket Ede was going to coach the club next week. And he said, I'll put it in my blood if you like. <laughs> I, saw I thought that. That, that like that was proper. I was like, I just imagine at some stage he is actually going to smear blood across his face at one of these press conferences. I, I want to see it happen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good news, I guess, for the Gold Coast is that Jaeger O'Meara is back in full training. Um, like we all know, they've had problems with injuries. He's a gun. My feeling is that I think what you're going to see at the Gold Coast is a uh, all these guys who are brought in, all these you know top draft picks. Maybe starting to look around, maybe putting off contract negotiations till the end of the year. Jaeger Amir, I don't know what his status is, but I mean, he would definitely be high on a lot of people's lists. He is out of contract and he has not uh, signed his contract and he's not going to do it till the end of the year. And we all know what code that is normally for. <laughs> do you, would but, you know where, okay. what, what state's he from? Is he Victorian? He's Victorian, I think, yeah. Yeah, right. And awesome. there's a lot of a lot of clubs who I mean he's a classy player if he can stay on the field like he's a he's an actual really really good footballer I think yeah uh, if he can be fit but and it's like I, I, and I, a lot of clubs love having Jaeger uh, <laughs> Jaeger around them I mean it's going to be great for sign writers for banner writers yeah, for yeah. headline writers in newspapers yeah yeah for club alcohol promotions like I mean there's a lot of upside to having him involved. Definitely. Even if he doesn't play, to be honest, get him on your list, I'd say. <laughs> maybe maybe that was the problem at the Gold Coast, is every time uh, somebody said, oh, hey, we should go to training, and somebody go, oh, sh- should we get Jaeger? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go and do that instead. Yeah, the Gold Coast really need to draft that young kid, Maduri. He's been uh, tearing yeah. it up in the kneeful. <laughs> uh, okay, here's a question about the yeah. Gold Coast, if I can ask you a question about the Gold Coast. If it came to the end of the year and you needed a bit of extra money to keep Lynch and uh, O'Meara and guys like that, is there any value in Gold Coast trading Gary Ablett? Oh, yeah, 100%. Definitely. I mean, the, uh, the, the talk this week was, oh, what about letting Gary go back to Geelong? You know, just one last tilt at a flag. How great would it be to see Dangerfield, Ablett and Selwood in the same midfield? Um, I'd think, why not? Like, they're not going to, they're not going to win a flag... While Gary's there, that, that's just not going to happen. So, do you think he has any trade value? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that if he was in the right team and he could play less, like, I mean, he's had to carry that team, you know, and obviously he's injured and those sort of things. But he's still a very, very good footballer. Mm. And I could see him in the right team. You know, like, I mean, Hawthorne, if they could afford him, if they were going to get rid of Burgoyne, they could, they could do worse than, like, getting an ablet or whatever for, to fill that sort of role. Yeah. What do you, um, if you're the Gold Coast, what do you want in return for Gary Ablett? Two first-rounders? I mean, yeah, I would think so, still. I mean, he's one of the all-time greats, and you'd still think he'd have some trade value, I would have thought, for the right team. Particularly if, if you're a team that finished up the top and your first-rounders are high. But well, no, if you finish up the top, you won't have a high first-rounder. 
I mean, as in like the, what I'm saying to you is particularly if you're a team that okay. like has finished like up the top. So your first round picks are like a pick 17 or whatever, or yeah. it'll probably be higher, high, even higher than that because of the, you know, the concessions and stuff. You'd be like, yeah, well, you can have two of our first round picks if we're going to give you 22 and 30 or something for Ablett. Do, you, th- do you think, do you think getting rid of, do you think Ablett has the same kind of, um, cause he's a marquee player. Do you think getting rid of Ablett affects the fans at all the four or five gold coast suns fans i mean there'll be no one to calm down that angry guy (laughs) i mean the thing about ablet is i just don't know if he's the leader that club needs right now and i don't know if they can move on with a new kind of start with ablet there because he's just such a kind of specific personality that and that's what's made him great but I'm just not sure it's what a club that's on a rebuild now, which is what they are, needs. So who is their next captain then? Swallow? But he wants to come home as well, I heard. Well. Uh, and apparently apparently his injury isn't as great as it should be either. Like, oh, really? I, I think he's going to... I mean, well, that was just what I was hearing. I don't really know. But, like, you know, I, but Omira... I mean, I mean, you could throw Omira the captaincy. You've got to keep Lynch. I mean, he's... You know, you can't let some other club come in and get him. And, like, there'd be so many clubs that would love to have him in their team. Yeah. I mean, you've got to keep your guns. Hall as well, although he's gone quiet the last few weeks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I wouldn't... I guess because they're such a young team. Because you always wear... It's like the locket thing, you know. You get rid of that gun player. Do you just... Is it just a slap in the face of the supporters? But maybe because they're such a young team, there hasn't been enough time for them to build up any particular affection for Gary or... But for a long time, he was the the shining light, you know. Like, if you were a supporter, and, you know, I know we joke about that, how they have no supporters, but they do have a small fan base. If you were a supporter, and, you know, Gary Ablett was what got you into the Suns and got you into football, you know, how would you feel if they suddenly just traded him out? I mean, I think it would suck for the Gold Coast, but I think in the long term, maybe it's something that they just have to do, that they might have to... But you, I, you've, what you've got to, I guess what you've got to be assured of is that you have another player that you can then build your marketing and sponsorship around. And I don't know of that list of who's left. I don't know that they have anyone who's like an outstanding candidate. Do you import another gun? I, I'd like to see Fev have a real crack at it now <laughs> that he's fit again. <laughs> I actually heard Fev on the radio talking about Gary Ablett's training and how he, re- he reckoned the Gold Coast training is terrible because, because Ablett doesn't train all the time. They've kind of taken the wrong example off Ablett and his training. But yeah. even though Ablett can do it to get himself right, maybe not everybody can. And yeah. I was like, geez, when you're, when you're getting sledged on radio by Brendan Favola for having <laughs> bad training habits. Yeah. That was another great thing in that Ken Sheldon interviews talking about um, how they, managed Tony Lockett because Mike Sheen was saying, did you have two sets of rules? Like there's one set of rules for every player at St Kilda and then there was a set of rules for Plugger. And he was like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, he kind of had to. And uh, Mike said, well, what was the number one thing? He said, well, Tony loved his greyhounds and there's a lot of midweek uh, greyhound meetings that we would have to let him go to, which were like nine-hour drives, you know, up to Mildura and stuff, in which Plugger would be eating like dim sims all the way there and all the way back. <laughs> And so someone from the club would have to go with Plugger to make sure that, like, you know, he didn't eat too many dim shins. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's their version of a nutritionist, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, just, just what, what's your job as a nutritionist at the States? I have to keep Plugger under, like, he can eat as many dim shins as goals he kicks that week. That should be the incentive <laughs> program. Yeah, totally. 
It's like you kick 18 goals, you get 18 dimmies, fucker. <laughs> Over at Adelaide Oval was the uh, Battle of the Flat Track Bullies, West Coast taking on Port. Uh, Port just continued to disappoint everyone. It wasn't a huge margin in the end, but um, I don't think West Coast ever looked like losing that game. But it's just, what do you, I mean, what a, what a wasted year for Port Adelaide now. Like, even if they make the finals, what are they going to do once they get in there? Uh, they will not make the finals, I don't reckon. Really? I don't, I don't think they can. I don't think so. I just don't think they, they can now. Well, you know what? You said this about Collingwood, and they you put their backs I, to the wall. So you're trying to tear Port apart, mate. You know what happens then. I mean, never. Never do that, Charlie. <laughs> never tear them apart. Well, I am, here I am. I'm tearing them apart. I'm calling you out, Koshy. Take your cash cow and get fucked. Porter done. That's Charlie's lock of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. You can't, you can't, you can't label me. I haven't made my lock of the week yet. Um, but it'll have something to do with Richmond. I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, Josh Kennedy. Do you reckon seven. if you had to pick Buddy or Kennedy now, who do you go for? Buddy. Easily? Yeah. I mean, you know what? Like, once you get that good... Well, I think Buddy's more consistent. If you look at his, like, numbers this year, it's just amazing. Like, it's all you want from, a, like, a key forward, what Buddy's doing. But also, it's to me, it's like... You know, like, if you were going to go and buy a really expensive car, if you were going to spend, like, a couple of hundred thousand dollars on, like, a proper sports car, right? Mm. Eventually, when you get to that point, they're all going to go pretty well. You yeah. just pick the one that you like the look of. Yeah, I well, just I just prefer to drive around in a buddy than a Josh. So do you think it's do you think it's the age old question? If Josh Kennedy was playing for a Victorian side, do you think he would be celebrated as a bigger star than he is? Uh, Josh Kennedy has to play well in Victoria a few more times, I think, because right. I think that's part of the pro- problem. He tends to be one of the people who goes missing a bit when they when they travel. So no, I I think that he's. He's, I mean, he is obviously a very, very, very good player. And, you know, in the Battle of the Beards, I think he went to Port Adelaide and he showed them what a beard was. Yeah, he really did. He yeah. out Ned kellyed him. Yeah, I, I feel like on the day, like, you know, some of the Port guys really looks like hipsters up against a proper man's beard. Yeah. Do you think that West Coast answered any doubters by winning on the road? I mean, we, I know we discussed no. last week that it was only a two-hour trip as opposed to the four-hour trip. Mate, it was the shortest possible distance between them and the MCG on grand final day, and they beat Port Adelaide by seven points. Uh, no, 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 it's still <laughs> flattish. There's still, this was not an entirely flat track, but the track was flat enough for bullying to take place, and it did take place. <laughs> and Eddie had stadium rain clouds gathered, even though the roof was closed, and it started to rain on a certain team's parade. As Carlton went down to the Kangaroos, my footy tips have weren't fantastic this weekend, but I will tell you my weather predictions were amazing <laughs> because I predicted rain inside Etihad on Carlton's parade, and it delivered. It pretty much started from the opening bounce, and it pretty much rained consistently on that parade for yeah. the rest of the day. I must admit, I was only uh, checking into that game occasionally, but I was loving my Twitter feed. A lot of people listen to this podcast letting me know how much rain was pouring. Rain there was. Little clips from Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Yeah, I saw saw a lot of rain clips, a lot of rain-related things. Some people sent me uh, some November rain as well, some November rain gifts, which I thought was really good. (laughs) And it wasn't even my joke. I love the fact that I was getting tagged in on your joke. I would like to say that there will probably be some September rain, but there will be no October rain. 
Yeah. So what do you... Where Our North, the most unconvincing ladder leaders in recent memory. Like, they should it's a, be flag favourites by far and away, undefeated. But everyone's like... Everyone's waiting for them to lose. Mate, Ramesh Harry Chandran. He comes up all the time on the podcast. Sprinted the first lap, and then you don't know how he goes in the second lap. And I think that's what people are like with North. But you know what? I mean, the, the thing about North is it's their best start to the season ever. Like, yeah. ever. Yeah. In the history of that club. And they must be starting to think, what do I have to do around here to get a little bit of respect? Well, I was going to say, when 2009, when St Kilda won, I think we only lost two games of the year. We were undefeated up until round 16 or 17. And I remember thinking, like, no one rated us. Like, I would go online, I'd go on to Big Footy and stuff, and everyone's like, oh... Could you see St Kilda getting all the way to the grand final without losing a game and then losing the grand final? I was like, fuck you guys. That's not going to happen. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much that's what happened. So I, I kind of understand now why people were suspect on us because it's just, it's kind of like, you know, with the, you feel much more secure with your Hawthorns and your Geelongs, you know, being dominant. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But the lower ranked teams, it's traditionally lower ranked teams, you just don't, don't trust good form. And I did, I just still think there's something about that North Melbourne team where they don't look like they should be good. Yeah. Like they clearly are good, but when you look at them, you just go, nah, I don't buy it. Yeah. I mean, what is their, what is their big weakness? Is it defense? No, they've got a pretty good defense. Great midfield. They've got a pretty good attack. Great forward line. They've got a great midfield. No, you can't really fault them, but we just do. I mean, (laughs) There's no reason they shouldn't win every game like they have. Kept winning yeah. every game. It's kind of like the Australian film industry. It's not really that bad. You can't really fault it, but are you going to go see it? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Might see it on a plane. Yeah. If it's the only thing on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, ba- Kevin Bartlett this week, uh, when he got his statue, because he got a statue outside the G. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so KB um, he said he thinks that uh, Harvey might play 450 games. Well, why not? I mean, he's still... That that guy, like, inside 50, on the run, he's still one of the best shots for goal, I reckon, there is. Like, how many times have you just seen him, like, hard up against the boundary line, you know, take a handball and just slot it? And he's 170 years old. I mean, right. the, the, how much is he costing the, the, the club in, in, in kind of um, uh, arthritic medication? Uh, no, actually, because you know what? They get a concession on his... <laughs> Pension card. (laughs) On his pension card. It's like, it's fine. He gets a government concession. He mostly gets it to training on the bus, which is free Mm. at that age. Um, No, no, he's really enjoying himself, to be honest. So if you're his player manager, and I know he's playing year to year, but... His player manager is dead from old age. (laughs) But is he... He was like an old Jewish guy. is 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 he still commanding a high salary? Or does everyone sort of... I mean, what happened to that? Because it's so unprecedented to have a guy play for that long. Surely, in order to keep the cub vibrant, they have to start paying younger guys the big bucks. Does he go on to some... I mean, he gets paid in the... What is it? you got the veterans uh, yeah, allowance. Veterans or whatever it is. He goes on the veterans but is he still? Yeah. Do you reckon he's still on big money? Like, if he was a, I don't know, a $400,000 a year player, do you reckon he's still on that? I mean, I would have thought that uh, he's been getting paid over five hundred thousand dollars for a fair while. I would have thought. You, you reckon? Like, I mean, he why well, he's still been pretty much the best player at their club for the last five years. Like, <laughs> I think he'd still be on pretty much. Yeah, even though it's been a year to year contract, most of those years he's been 
Like, I mean, I, I don't know what his best and fairest finishes are. Okay, I'm going to look him. Let's look up Boomer. Let's, I'll, I'll look him up on my screen if okay. the internet is working here. But let's see if I can uh, find him and let's... Okay. Brent Harvey's uh, list of achievements. Yeah, exactly. Not his IMDb. Oh, there's an actor as well. An actor-director called uh, Brent Harvey, but let's not go to him. So Brent Harvey, often known by his nickname... Boomer. Boomer, was born 14th of May... 1978. Are you sure it wasn't 1878? Sorry. 14th of May, 1878. Uh, I mean, that's the thing about this is I'm older than he is. But he just feels so much older because he's still playing football. Anyway, so um, drafted by the Kangaroos in the third round of the 1995 draft. So again, third round draft pick too to play all this time. Amazing. he played in the Premiership in 99, so he's their one remaining Premiership player from 99, of course. Um, let's uh, see where he's best and fairest uh, things. Okay, here are his club honours. Yeah. So he won the Premiership in 99. Mm-hmm. He's, four to- he's four times All-Australian. Uh, the most recent was 2008, so I guess that was a while ago. Um, five times best and fairest. 2003, 2005, 2007, 2008, and 2010. So as recently as 2010, he was best and fairest at North. Yeah. So, yeah, I reckon he'd still be on pretty good money, I reckon. But at some stage, like I, there was a story I heard about um, Dermot Brereton before he left Hawthorne, because he was like, you know, the five-time premiership player. He was the Booker T of the AFL, five-time, 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 five-time premiership player. Um but he said that his dream was he wanted to, uh, when he got to his last two years or his last year of his contract, he wanted to play for free as a way of giving back to the club. And that was when right. he had went in for a meeting and they said, we want you to take a pay cut. And he's like, fuck you, I'm going to Collingwood. <laughs> but I, I wonder if there's like room for that kind of honour in football anymore. Like, I mean, if anyone has done well out of football, it's got to be Brent Harvey. Like, hopefully he's been saving his money over the last 20 years. But I wonder if, uh, you know, his last year, he could just play, play, for, I mean, just play for the government pension. <laughs> it's all right. According to the, according to what we get told by the government, it's plenty of money to live on. Well, I mean, like he could play for the AFL minimum, because that's basically as low as you're allowed to play for. You can't play for less than that, but he could play for the minimum in the last year. He could just play a match bonuses if he wanted to, if he wanted to load his contract like that, you know, put yeah, something right. in there that rewarded, like, you know, but, um, yeah, he is. I mean, he's an amazing story, and you know, good luck to him. And I think he was but also. I'm not sure if it's it was on that Wikipedia page, but he was also an EJ Witten medalist, wasn't he? Back when there was state. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, the other thing is, I think he does look after his money. Is the rumor? Yeah, he's, he's very, very, very renowned. tight with his money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he won. Didn't he win a car? At the club, do you remember that? It was no. like a club raffle. Right. So it was a club raffle, you know, one of those ones where like everyone gets a book of like tickets or whatever, mm. and you end up just like buying the book yourself or whatever. So Boomer Harvey, his ticket won this car at the club, and everyone thought they'd be like, ah, oh, you know, donate it back, donate it back. And he was like, nah, I split it the ticket with another guy, and we're keeping the car. <laughs> yeah, but in his defense, it was a matchbox car because <laughs> it's the only one he could fit right. inside. <laughs> <laughs> he said perfect finally for me <laughs> uh the next game was uh my luck of the week um richmond over frio 
Apparently, I didn't even realize this, but I predicted a six-goal victory to Richmond, and they won by 38 points. So I was two points off my uh, my eerie Nostradamus-like prediction. We'll take that. We'll take that as a Charlie's lock. That's close enough. Yeah. Now, now we need to just sort of clarify a bit, because I think there's been a lot of confusion about Richmondy, the term Richmondy, what it means. And a lot of people keep right. sort of saying, oh, this is Richmondy, that's Richmondy. The first thing I would say is, Richmond is being Richmond is whatever it means to you. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Force, you know. Like when the first original trilogy of Star Wars came out, the Force was this enigma. It was just this thing that uh, surrounded us and, and controlled different elements, but it was sort of ill-defined. It was just whatever you needed it to be at the time. When the prequels came out and they explained, oh, it's the midi chlorians and stuff, it loses all the magic and stuff. So I'd just like to say to listeners out there, like. Sure, I have my idea of what Richmond is and what being Richmondy means, but you should all have your own ideas out there. Because people were saying, all right, they're playing Essendon this week, so they're going to lose, right? Because that would be Richmondy. And I'm, look, I'm not certain about that. The only rule that works for me is it has to be the most dramatic thing that could happen at the time to qualify as being Richmondy. See, Richmond have only won two in a row, so if they lose to Essendon now... I don't know that qualifies as being Richmondy. It's it's got elements no. of Richmondy, but it's not Richmondy enough. I think if they won seven in a row and then lost to Essendon, that would be more Richmondy for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you because you can only understand what being Richmondy is in context with what Richmond have just previously done. Exactly. Like exactly. The, the very the very definition of Richmondy is changed by the process of being Richmondy. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like they, it, it, there, there are moments within a game that are Richmondy, which also contribute to the overall Richmondiness of 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 the the contest. But you need to take it in context of where they're at, what the what the prevailing wisdom about them has been. And for me, it tends to be it's like we said last week, the Costanza element, the opposite of what the prevailing opinion of where they should be or what they should do. Well, if they lost to Essendon this week, this would be like losing the rich uh, it would be like winning the Richmondy battle to lose the overall Richmondy war yeah we don't yes it would yes it would be Richmondy of them to lose to the worst team in the competition but it would be much more Richmondy for them to go on a 10 week uh, winning streak and yeah. then lose to the worst team in the competition i mean 100%. that's Richmondy well look i'll i'll um I'll give you an example um cuz it's indigenous round coming up this week so Richmond and Erisenden are playing off in dreamtime at the G. Um, if you want an example of a very Richmondy performance, it was a very famous game in 2007. Let me just bring it up. Uh, here we go. So round nine, 2007. With just under five minutes remaining, Richmond has a 12-point lead, which was pulled back by Essendon to level the match at 84 apiece. Richmond on 84 points, Essendon on 84 points. Tigers full forward, Matthew Richardson, thought he had kicked the match-winning goal. But it was pulled back and a 50-metre penalty was awarded after Richardson had pushed his opponent into the back prior to kicking the goal. Essendon then kicked the last two goals of the game to win and deny Richmond what would have been their first win of the 2007 season. Now that, to me, is Richmondy. I mean, that's fully Richmondy. you got all the elements. Matthew Richardson is involved. They were leading, then they lost... I mean, it's got extra rich in the Richmondy when Richo's involved. Like, I mean, that's really putting the Richo, the Richo into Richmondy. You can't spell Richmondy without Richo. That's, that's what true. they always used to say down at the club. 
Um, is that what they're lacking? This is, is that what they're lacking? You think then maybe like do, do they? Who is the most Matthew? Who is the barometer of that team now? Is it a Jack Vickery? A Jack Revolt, not Vickery. Vickery's more prone to Richmondy behaviour. <sighs> yeah, you're, you're, pro- you're probably right. I mean, he took an imaginary mark. That's so Richmondy. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I'd say Jack Revolt is the barometer on the team's performance because when Jack's right. up and about and strutting around, they're playing well. But I think in terms of encapsulating what the, the, the how Richmondy they are. Yeah, it's Ty Vickery. Ty Richmondy. <laughs> 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 uh, Trent, Trent Cotchen, uh this week uh, said that he did not want uh, Richmond to get on the Richmond roller coaster, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you know what? That would actually be a really shit roller coaster <laughs> because that is essentially just one that dives horribly and then flat lines for ages <laughs> and then just goes straight up. That's a terrible roller coaster. Yeah, no, it goes at flat lines for two thirds yeah. of it, then it ascends really quickly. And then it right. drops again <laughs> at the end. No, then it just finishes disappointingly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Slightly under the good next level. Yeah. Uh, the next game was uh, the Demons uh, taking oh, can, on... Oh, go on. Can yeah. I just mention one... one can I just mention one thing about Fremantle? Because I did say last week that I don't think Ross Lyon wants to win games. And my favourite example of that this week is uh, when he said that Harley Bunnell was going to be out for the season. Like, Harley Bunnell sneezed, I think, at training. And he's like, out for the season? Yeah, he's yeah. turned into Oprah. He's like, you're out for the season. You're out yeah, for the yeah. season. They're like, yeah. they're like, oh, we heard that Fife might be back for the last four games. No, nah, out for the season. Nah. No. Well, I mean, what do you... I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, Mundy's being arrested. Mundy's got, like, a, a minor calf complaint, and they're resting right. him this week. But the question is, I heard some people talking about this last night on Fox Footy, and I thought that they were saying, oh, it's a calamity, you know, they've recruited so badly, their structure's awful, they, you know, they don't, they have to play the kids, but they don't actually have any gun kids that they've been developing to play. What else were they meant to think last year when they won, what, 15 games or whatever it was, were on top of the ladder halfway through the season. How can you suddenly blame the recruitment administration for not seeing this coming? Like, I mean, don't you just follow where, where you left off last year? Doesn't that give you an indication of where you'll be this year? Were they that kind of misguided? Wasn't it just more a case of just a lot of shit went wrong in the first three rounds? Uh, I think it's one of those things also where there's 18 teams in the competition only one of them wins and then everybody else is seen as being like a loser or a failure. And sometimes in having a crack at winning, which is what Fremantle have been doing for the last couple of years, I mean, they were in a grand final and then they finished the next season top of the ladder. That was them having a crack at winning the thing and they didn't just, you know what I mean? Like they could have both Mm. of those years, they could have won the grand final. So the idea that you loaded up your team and had a crack at the top of it, well, that's the idea of having a team. It's not yeah. going to work for everyone. Not everyone can transition. Like there are exceptional clubs like Sydney and Hawthorne and like Geelong that seem to be able to not go down too far. But every other club has to because mm. those three clubs are hogging the top of the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> There's also been talk about, oh, should Pav step aside, you know, and allow the development of, you know, next year's crop of forwards. Get yeah. fucked. Like get fucked. It's his last year. He plays every game. He plays as many minutes as he wants. Like, of he of all the players who has earned the right to fucking just 
you know, run out his career in whatever way he wants. It's Pav. You don't start fucking... If you're going to be resting players and stuff, then you allow, you, you know, the greatest servant in your club's history to play as many minutes as he wants in whatever fucking position he wants. He's played everywhere on the field as it is. If Pav decides he wants to rove against the Saints this weekend, then let him fucking play on the ball. I'm, I'm going to go a step further than that, Charlie, and I'm going to suggest something a bit controversial, but here it is. Yes, We've decided that Fremantle aren't going to play in the finals and they aren't going to win the premiership this year. But that's not the only award in the AFL. There's also uh, there's the Coleman medal. Uh, that one might be a bit hard for Pav to win this year. But there is goal of the year and there is mark of the year. And yeah. I think, why don't, why don't Fremantle, just for the rest of the season, just say, we don't give a shit about you. Like, all we'll try to do every game is get Pav either goal of the year or mark yeah. of the year. If, yeah. if Zach Dawson, if you have to go down the other end and we're going to, where's Zach Dawson playing this week, Ross? Five meters in front of Pav, wherever he goes, because <laughs> we're trying to win Pav a car. Yeah. Hashtag win Pav a car. That's what it should yeah. be. <laughs> By the way, last week we were, uh, 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 musing on why people hate Zach Dawson so much, and yeah. then I think we saw why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't believe he didn't get weeks for that. That's amazing. I guess they, I think maybe it was the insufficient contact. But Jesus Christ, like he clipped a bloke who was not who was not looking, and then didn't get even get a, a week. Yeah, but the thing about Zach Dawson is he has a great defense when they go in. They show tapes of him playing football and they go, look at how uncoordinated he is. Yeah. This is when he's trying. He's clearly I, hit that guy by accident. He's Mr. I, Bean. I did get quite a few Frio supporters contacting me to let me know that uh, Zach Dawson getting suspended would be the best thing for the team that could happen this year. <laughs> The one bright hope. The one yeah. great spark in the season. This is yes. how bad Frio are going. They couldn't even get Zach Dawson suspended. <laughs> uh, the Demons uh, thrashed the Lions uh, by, oh, close to 70 points. I mean, what do you say? Do you, is this, can we exercise the mercy rule on the Lions now? I mean, who, wh- why are you watching these games anymore? Like, what's, what's the appeal of watching Brisbane play? I mean... Maybe just the, t- you know, the, the tide has turned, Charlie, where like in the old days, people were sent out to the Lions and now it's the Lions being beaten up by people <laughs> yeah, every right. week. Yeah, it's that's what, well, you know, what's St time. Kilda, the Saints, uh, right. and it makes sense that we should exact our revenge on the Lions. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes complete sense. Yeah. We should eat um, them. But yeah, no, I mean, look, I, I didn't see any of this game, but I saw that Hogan kicked five again, and I saw that Petrarca played really well. He got the rising star, so they'd be excited that he's finally yeah, playing, he, I would have thought, at Melbourne. Yeah, he's a gun. I mean, he's just he just looks when I, like, you know, he reminds me a little bit of the Dominator. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just got that same kind of like hefty sort of cinnamon build. Um, uh, Wayne Johnson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wayne, the Dominator Johnson. Yeah. He's, but he's really, you know, because uh, he was such a, like a big-bodied midfielder, just like the old-school kind of sentiment, he's just got that same kind of frame where he doesn't... I mean, for a 19-year-old or 20-year-old, however old he is, like, he's a big boy. You can't really tackle him. He's got those big hips. Oh, mate, he has got, like, you know, the girls who dance with Beyonce at halftime at the Super Bowl hips. Yeah, Like, totally. where they look fit. They fit, but they're also kind of powerful and intimidating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's his thighs. <laughs> yeah. It's just... I mean, you'd think now, Melbourne, if you look at their list and how many sort of 
first round draft picks they have, they wouldn't really be far off like the Gold Coast or, or Carlton, you know, the, the, the top ups that Carlton got. They've, they've got a pretty good list now. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year when they get Goodwin installed, I reckon. Oh, I mean, I, I think that, like, at the moment, you take the Demons list over to the Gold Coast list in a minute. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, all right, well, that's all I have to say about that game because I don't know anything else about it. But Melbourne well, seemed better. You'll know more about this game, uh, GWS over your boys. And it kind of went according to what we predicted. Like, you know, it was a fairly close contest in the end. Uh, they just probably just had a bit too much class playing at home. But... um. The bullies hung in there. I actually, around about the th- third quarter, they started to stretch the lead, but I kept feeling like maybe if the Bulldogs got a run on, they could get back into it, but just, I mean, they just had too many, too many guns, GWS. Yeah, it was one of those games where this was almost exactly what I, it was one of those things where the result was pretty much what I would have been happy with the result being with all the players that we had out and whatever. It was one of those results where you're like, they're clearly a better team than we are, mm. but maybe we have a team that we could get on the field that could compete with these guys. Because they're not missing... The one thing I'll say about GWS at the moment is it's not like they're missing a whole bunch of other people who... Like, you know, this is... But even if they were, like, in the fucking, like, NEFL or whatever, all their seconds... Like, apparently they went on Fox Footy, they went through the stats of all the guys playing in their seconds, and it's like 46 possessions, 38 possessions, 8 goals. It's like, they've just got a a roster of guns just waiting to slot in. Their reserves team has seven Rising Star nominations. Is that for real? No, but it could be, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, they've got, yeah, they've just got, I mean, like we've talked about on this podcast before, the only way I can sleep at night is thinking, well, if they've got guns in that side who can't make the list, then maybe it makes it easier for teams like ours to come in and just poach a few kind of players who aren't getting, aren't getting games. Well, I think that's what is going to happen. I mean, I think eventually most teams will end up with like a GWS player and they'll probably be a pretty good player at that. I mean, Trelaw has probably been the one highlight of, one of the few highlights of Collingwood this year, I reckon. Like, yeah. they've done well out of that. He's a really great player, and I think you're going to find that. That Yeah, I I think eventually they will get redistributed to the competition a bit because you can't keep everyone under the salary cap, and eventually one or two of them are just going to go, well, it doesn't matter how much I love team bonding and stuff. I'm not getting a game of football, and I could be a gun at another club, so I'm going to go there. Yeah. Um, now, I saw in the news that Jake Johannesson is... Uh, uh, he's uh, starting to talk about when he's going to come back. Um, that wasn't the interesting part of the interview, I thought. He, the interesting part was when he told everyone that he's uh, taking up photography. So you've got Will Minson and his love of jazz. You've got Jake Johannesson and uh, studying photography. This is not the same uh, Western Bulldogs of years gone past, Will. It's like the hipster uh, in a west of Melbourne. When he says he's taken up photography, he means that he's uh, worked out how to use his phone. (laughs) And (laughs) never realised what people were doing. No, um, he's a bit of a groovy cat. He's also into his style, Jake Johannesson. He's he's always quite well-dressed, and he's got a bit of that American basketball uh, sort of... Swagger. Yeah, fashion sort of swagger, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to have him back and... Suckling's back this week as well, and I think we're starting to you know, see some of those players coming back into the mix, and I think we're at an okay spot. I was going to say my highlight of the game was mm. sometimes the pressure just gets to people, and um, uh, we know that uh, big Dennis Cometti has announced that he's not going to do the commentary anymore after this season, and you know there's going to be 
Brian Taylor and Basil Zemplis and Luke Darcy and a few of those people are going to be, you know, trying to put on their best game and see if they can be the next Dennis. And you know, Basil Zemplis wants it. He's always oh, yeah. wanted to be Dennis. Yeah. Like he's always been <laughs> Dennis number two and he wants to be the main Dennis. He wants to step up and he wants to, you know, get involved in it. And then at this game, did you see his fuck up? No. So GWS have done this thing where they've um, allowed uh, access to the coach's box, you know, this new era where you get access to everything. And so uh, when the Bulldogs kicked, you know, that GWS got out a little bit at the start, but then the Bulldogs kicked a couple and kind of got yeah. back into it in the first quarter. And so they've gone straight up to the box to Leon Cameron and Basil's just gone with Leon Cameron, coach of the Bulldogs. Uh, well, you'll be enjoying that settling goal that you just got then. And then uh, Cameron's just had to deadpan him on. Well, I'm not not sure we're enjoying that one uh, there, Basil. And I was like, you're no Dennis Zemplis. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, you played for our club, but it's been a while. Uh, speaking of uh, committee, he pulled out an absolute humdinger on Friday night, the Swans versus the Hawks, where he said, uh, as after um, um, Sicily took a big grab, and he's talking about the Hawthorne's recruiting strategy, strategy. And he said, the Hawks say they were chasing the best possible athlete. I know the Kardashians had the idea first. <laughs> oh, he's Joan Rivers now, Kamets. Yeah. I think it's his last year. He's fucking like, he's just going to go. We need to get a few more like zingers out of Dennis before the year's over. Oh, yeah. I think he's ordered way too many from the factory and he's going through his notebooks now. And he's like, I've, I've got to get them away this year. I've heard him jam a few in, to be honest. Yeah. I've heard him really like, oh, well, I've got to get it in some. I can't always wait for the perfect situation to arise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The last game of uh, last round was St Kilda over Essendon. Uh, it was a really ordinary game till half time, and then the Saints just kind of clicked in the third quarter and won by uh, almost fifty points, which I, you know, I think we're pretty happy with. The, I guess the main talking point for Saints fans out of the game was just seeing how the new forward line is functioning. It was the first time we've won a game without Nick Revolt kicking a goal since, like, I think two thousand and twelve or or something like that. Uh- Round 24, 2011. 2011, yeah, which is an incredible stat. I mean, Revolt was still in the best players. He had like 24 touches, and like four inside 50s or whatever. But um, it's really exciting to see Paddy McCartan like starting to get some real... He's got... I love the term they use as the soft hands. He really does because he's he doesn't... Oh, you know, look, all, all respect to Paddy, but he doesn't look like an athlete. He looks like a giant Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> He's just this, he's just this big bear of a boy, but he's got the softest hands. Like when the ball comes in, like he's just got, he's got those big mitts where the ball just sort of sticks to him. And, and you know, he, he did a couple of great things in the third quarter. Um, a real pressure goal to when Essendon were challenging 50 meters out, he nailed it. And then a, a great pass to Josh Bruce. So, I mean, who knows, uh, where it's going to go from there, but to see memory Bruce and, and McCartan, it's, uh, it's the, it's, we haven't seen our forward line look so different in over a decade because it's always been very revolt centric. Yeah, I, I think it's really exciting for you guys. I think there's a lot. The, I mean, you know, I, I've got a real soft spot for St Kilda, and I think it was good to have that game after mm. what had happened the week before. It was like nice ha- to feel like you've. Yeah, we had we had to do something. I mean, do you believe in the idea that when you play a team? Like that you rise to an occasion, but you can also be brought down to another team's level. Do you think that happens in games? Oh, yeah, definitely. I do think that happens. And I think that's why sometimes when you see a team do what they're meant to do against a lesser club, you're like, oh, that's good. That, I reckon that's a sign <laughs> of your team in development. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, should we uh, look ahead to what's going to be go- happening tonight? <laughs> Probably within an hour of, of this podcast going up. Uh, yeah, I should just say I should just say this about the Essendon uh, game. I wanted to say that I saw an article during the week where I was like, maybe they're a little desperate about the rebuild because there was an article about whether Gavin Wanganin's kid might play at Essendon or at Port Adelaide, mm. like you know, under, under the father son, and they were kind of like Gavin Wanganin had been asked about it. I need to point out that Gavin Wanganin's son is twelve. <laughs> So it feels a little young to be forcing him into a decision of whether he wants to play at Essendon or Port, although I'm sure they both are pretty desperate for another Wanganine. But I, I loved this. I don't know. If he's 12 years old and he hasn't kicked 60 goals in a soccer match, then he's, he's slacking it, that kid. Well, apparently he wants to be a vet. And oh, like really? everybody's devastated about that, apparently. It's <laughs> <laughs> like... Except for Gavin Wanganine, and this was his quote, and I just wanted to mention this because I thought it was awesome. Uh, my daughter Kitty loves going to the footy now. She loves watching her big brother play, and every week she says to me, Dad, can we go to the footy? Uh, she's only two, but who knows? Maybe she'll play women's football one day. So keep your eye on Gavin Wanganine, Kitty Wanganine, Kitty Wanganine. For, the brown lo- for the brown low end, say, for the women's brown low end, the early 2030s. Uh, all right, that's a hot tip. I don't know what the odds are, but that's, put some cash down on that's that. That's Will's lock of the week. <laughs> well, no, it's lock of the next decade. <laughs> lock of the 2030s. Uh, okay, up tonight is uh, Game of the Round. Swans taking on North Melbourne at the SCG. Uh, I mean, every, every week we say, this is the one that will let us know where North are at. But I think this is the yeah. one that will let us know where North are at. I think this is the one that will let us know where North are at, Charlie. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, it should be a cracking game. Um, they've both got awesome forward lines. It's just, it's hard to tip against the Swans at the SCG, particularly when Buddy will be kicking goals from the car park before he even arrives at the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those games where if North win this, they're the real deal. We've got to yeah. stop doubting North if they win this game. But, but I could easily but we, see But, but we win. won't. But we won't. If they win this, we won't stop doubting them. We will. We won't stop doubting them until they're actually on the dais receiving the Premiership Cup. And even then, we'll be like, oh, I don't know, not convinced. Yeah, we'll be like, eh, it still doesn't look right. <laughs> uh, the Brisbane like the line. Like, <laughs> go on. Drew Petrie's getting like a little Premiership medallion from a child, and you're like, no, nah, I just don't like how this looks. <laughs> I don't like it. Brisbane Lions take on Hawthorne at the Gabba. Uh, you know, they'll lose that. We all know that. They're in desperate trouble. Mitch Robinson came out this week and said they need to fix their change rooms. That's what's going to get people playing up at Queensland. Uh, I, I, by the way, I think, um, I think that North will lose the previous game. I think that, uh, the Swans are going to win at the SCJ as well. I feel um, that. I so feel who that did as you, well. Yeah. Who did you pick here? Uh, well, it's Brisbane versus Hawthorne. So obviously not picking yeah. Brisbane. Um, uh, home, home ground advantage, Hawthorne wobbly. No, there's no way. There's no way, Hawthorne. Especially no way? after after last week. I mean, Sam Mitchell is going to be breathing fire this week. So, uh, he looked for him to get probably 45 touches and for them to win quite convincingly. Also, by the way, I mean, Brisbane, right. you know, Mitch Robinson complained about the change rooms. Any place that's called the Dungeon, not really an attractive destination for a young player, I'd imagine. I mean, the weird thing is that in the change rooms, that uh, guy from the Wizard of Id... <laughs> Is yeah, yeah. That's um, an old school reference. The spook, the spook, <laughs> and uh, the guard is called Lackey. I think he's called Lackey. For all you Wizard of Id fans out there, 
Deep cuts. Finally, Deep cuts. a podcast that talks about Wizard of, <laughs> Wizard of Ian and also <laughs> AFR football. <laughs> We're very niche. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne take on Port Adelaide at, well, it just says TP. What's that? Is that Canberra or uh, Northern Territory? Gee, where are they? TP? Where's TP? Uh, Mike, yeah. can you do some further digging on where Melbourne are playing Port well, Adelaide? Well, well, let's, let's, that Telstra Park. No. No. At, uh, at, Tom's place. Tom's place at the tit punches. At Tio Traeger Park. Is that a real place? Right. Isn't that in the magic where faraway tree? Where is Tio Traeger where, Park? Can you find out where that is? Are can we ask our AI. American... American uh, AI producer to find out where Melbourne and Port Adelaide are playing this week. Are they play, are they playing a game in Narnia? Has Koshi sold a game to Narnia? Yeah, they had to go through a wardrobe to get to it. Don't eat the Turkish delight, guys. Once you get there, right? Seriously, Stephen Dank prepared it. So we're making Wizard of Id references, uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe <laughs> oh, yeah. references. Let's 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 turn more people off this podcast that comes out five minutes after it would actually be useful. Let's really now really drive this thing into the ground. Uh, okay. Uh, Should we move on to okay, the next game? Well, well I don't know. Yeah. I think we've, we've, we've actually short circuited Mike Hal with too many yeah. requests. No, that's, uh, I mean, it's, I don't know. Let's find uh, out. Okay. St. Kilda take oh, on yeah. Frio, uh, at Etihad Stadium, which, uh, should be a goal bonanza. I'd like to think that we could win this one by a lot. Um, traditionally, uh, Frio and St. Kilda have a history of odd things happening at games. There was Siren Gate at Aurora. Um, there was the, uh, the umpire, the whispers in the air over in Frio. Um, there was two years ago when, uh, they were on top of the ladder and we were shit and we beat them by six goals. So who knows? I mean, I hope something odd happens, but it's not to do with us losing. Um, Robbo on 360 last night, his doomsday scenario was for St Kilda to lose this game. Yeah, look, St Kilda should win this one and they'd want to win this one and Fremantle don't want to win this one. So all the conditions are in St Kilda's favour, I think, for this game. I will say that, um, Tio Trio, Tommy Trio Park. Yeah. Uh, is in Alice Springs. It's Indigenous Round. So they're playing a game in Alice Springs, I would imagine. Okay. Not Narnia. That's where that is. Okay. No, not Narnia. Uh, dream time at the gym. Uh, uh, the, the dream time at the gym. Dream time at the G. Essendon take on the Tigers at the MCG. Um, Rich, look, we said last week Richmond will will lose this, but as we've discussed today, in context, it's not Richmondy enough. Um, no, not yet. I think the Tigers will win this quite comfortably. Uh, Essendon will maybe push them for a half or so, but I feel like Essendon are cooked. To be honest, they they are putting in good performances, but it's only a quarter here or a quarter there. Mate, they ran the team that is unbeaten on top of the ladder within a goal a week ago. How soon you forget. Yeah, but they still lost. I think that team put the cue in the rack a long time. <laughs> a long time before that. Adelaide yeah, take no, I on agree. The, I agree that Richmond will win that one. Adelaide take on the Giants uh, at Adelaide Oval, in which I, could be the second game of the round. If uh, Sydney versus yep. North is the game of the round, then this one will a lot of intrigue. Adelaide have really um, gone off the boil in the last five weeks. They've only won, well, they won last week, but prior to that, they'd lost, well, was it two or three in a row? So, who knows? I mean, this could be surprising. Like, if GWS want to be considered contenders and they have to win this kind of game, and I think Adelaide, in order to claw back 
some um, credibility also need to win. So who do you pick in this? This is the hardest one to pick, I think. I reckon this is the hardest pick of the round because Adelaide, Adelaide and Adelaide, and they're a good team still. And Adelaide and Tex kicked five last week, got a bit of form back. So suddenly you've got that forward line working again at the Adelaide Oval. If GWS were going to drop one, and they've got to drop one at some stage, you would think this yeah. would be the one that they they could drop. Um, it's yeah, I mean, but if they win this, like they, we have to start talking about the fact that they can win the premiership this year. If they beat Adelaide in Adelaide, we just have to start talking about the fact that GWS must almost be with North Melbourne flag favourites. Okay, as someone whose team has won one flag in over a hundred years of football, how does it make you feel that a team that's been in the competition for five years could win a flag? I mean, not great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean oh, not great. No, not great at all. All right. Uh, next game is Carlton taking on the Cats at Etihad Stadium. Who I, I, who do you think will win that one? Put it on uh, the record, Adelaide versus GWS. I think GWS are going to win. I, I just get the feeling. I think it'll be close, but I think GWS, they're just, a, they're just a force at the moment. They've just got so much talent. Adelaide, I mean, they're great at home, but I just don't know. Something about GWS I find irresistible. I, I love them, but I hate them, Will. I love, I love watching, they're like, they're like, uh, have you seen Predator 2 when Gary Busey is describing the Predator to Danny Glover and he's saying like, you know, it can see heat vision and it's got all these weapons that can kill people and Danny Glover says, you admire the son of a bitch and he, and he, and Gary Busey says, for what he is, not for what he does. And that's how I feel about GWS. I admire them for what they are, but for not, well, not what they're going to do to the competition. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you. They are beautiful to watch and uh, this, that should be a really good game. Um, I, I, yeah, I think GWS will probably win that and then we're all going to get really fucking scared about GWS. Yeah, I think so. Uh, next game is Carlton versus Geelong at Etihad Stadium. I think Carlton will still be a bit waterlogged from the torrential downpour last week yeah. on their parade. Uh, Geelong... Oh, oh, also, the one time you don't want to have a parade is after Geelong has lost the game. Yeah. That's the worst time. It's like worst. lighting a cigarette, your taxi will pull up. Uh, you do not want to have a parade when you're playing Geelong off a loss. That's your worst time for a parade. Yeah. I predict heavy rain from all directions. Rain before, rain during, rain after. I would pack for floods. I would actually pack a little survival kit. Yeah. If you're a Carlton fan or a Carlton player, maybe like, you know, the sort of thing you'd have for a hurricane, you know, maybe a flood. We may need to get some government aid in because I do think there's going to be a lot of rain. Yeah, uh, I agree, and that is my lock of the week. <laughs> Geelong to absolutely beat up on Carlton. Um, oh, a little bit of I interest like in that, that, that. That lock is not anywhere near as adventurous as your previous lock. <laughs> I feel like that's a. I think that's everyone's lock of the week, right? Okay, that's everyone's lock of the week. <laughs> uh, the other bit of interest out of that game is that um, the Casbolt could be back in effect. Uh, and uh, Cruiser as well. Both were initially meant to be out for weeks, but apparently Casbolt's uh, hairline fracture was misdiagnosed. It's actually just a depression in his leg. Um, maybe it's the leg that he kicks with, and I could understand why it's depressed. <laughs> it's just yeah, it goal. didn't even get didn't even get hit. It just was having a really down time. I, yeah. said, I just don't think I'm very worthwhile. <laughs> low self esteem in his leg. Low self. He was he was out one week. Low self esteem below the knee. Uh, yeah, so he's back in... Well, they've been named. Who knows if they'll line up, but that's extraordinary. Like, uh, he was meant to be... Initially, they thought he'd done an ACL. Then it was, oh, no, he's got a fracture in his leg, so a broken leg. And now it's, oh, he's going to be back within four weeks. So that'll be amazing. 
Um, and Cruiser, yeah, same thing. Uh, did his, was it his knee or his ankle? But anyway, he could be back as well, so we'll see. Uh, Collingwood take on your boys at the MCG. Big game. Big game for you guys. You've got some gun, guns coming back and you're taking on a resurgent Collingwood. Now, their backs are no longer against the wall. They've had three wins in a row, is it, or two wins in a row? The pass? Two, two. Okay, here's my lock of the week. Bulldogs over Collingwood. That's my lock of the week because based on the fact that Collingwood's backs are no longer against the wall. I've lured them away from the wall, Charlie. It's all been part of my cunning ruse right. over the last couple of weeks to lure them away from the wall so that we could sneak in behind them. And uh, this, I'm going to stop that analogy. But I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's too much back against yeah. the wall and luring stuff. It's getting a bit creepy. Yeah, no, look, I, I think the Bulldogs. I mean, but Collingwood are obviously playing much better footy at the moment. So it'll be a t- tighter game than you would have predicted a couple of weeks ago. But I think that that should be a game where the Bulldogs win it and win it easily, hopefully. Do you have any history with Collingwood? Any kind of like niggly history or anything like that? Wasn't well, there a game in particular? No, wasn't there a game where one of them... There was a game where was it Mon- uh, Montgomery was cleaned up by Alan Didak or someone in the middle of a final about 10 years ago and you guys came back and won? Was it, am I imagining that? I mean, that? I don't know. Like, I mean, look, here's the thing. We've, I mean, you have bad history against everyone, but do we have any specific bad history against Collingwood? No, to be honest, Collingwood is one of those people that publicly we have to hate, but behind the scenes they're paying our rent. So yeah. we, ha- you know, <laughs> we have a little, like Eddie Maguire is, a, you know, a reasonable supporter of the Western Bulldogs and Collingwood certainly, you know, although they're fighting pretty hard against equalization and stuff again now, I notice. But I mean, yeah. teams like ours without teams like Collingwood, you know, there is a slight bit of gratitude, I think towards Collingwood of like, yeah, fuck you, Collingwood. Could you please pay for this? I don't really have money for it this week. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you're, like, you're like the millennial teen who hates their parents but also needs them to pay their rent and do their laundry. Well, that's what people say to me They like when Tom Boyd's not playing. Like some people try to be smart-assy and they're like, oh, well, you're paying a guy a million dollars not to play. And I'm like, we're not paying him, mate. Eddie McGuire's paying him a million dollars not to play. And <laughs> last uh, game of the round uh, is... Possibly the greatest bloodbath waiting to happen. West Coast, at home, taking on the Suns. Like, Jesus, how bad could this get? I mean, is there a chance? If St Kilda got beaten by over 100 points, what could happen to the Gold Coast? I mean, this this is not going to be pretty. This is going to be because... This is a team that you do not, this is like, this is all the West Coast Eagles want. They are the wedgie tail Eagles. This is their perfect bullying situation. And they're being presented on a plate. The Gold Coast Football Club at this moment. I mean. On their knees. This, on their knees. Yeah. Like this, I mean, Kennedy might kick 10. Like, Lacroix might kick 10. In the, in the first Kennedy quarter. Kennedy and Lacroix <laughs> might, yeah. Well, they might kick 10 each. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? I think if it's, if it's, if it's under a hundred points, I'll be surprised. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, I reckon it's one of these, it'll be a training drill for West Coast. If you're a West Coast Eagles fan and you get want to do something there. fun on the weekend, get down and watch like some showtime, I would have thought. Yeah. Tony Cochran better start working on his speech, his press conference speech for this week because he's going to, he's going to better have some zingers ready, I think, because there's going to be some questions asked. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I think this week he's just got to nude up and go full crazy. <laughs> I mean, if he's going to distract from this week, it's going to have to be like, yeah, well, I mean. Well, Rodney Eade is secure until the end of 2017, apparently. Yeah, it's in his blood. Yep, it's in his blood. Uh, all right, is that it? Yeah, that is it, I believe. Um, 
Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want, if you like the podcast, we do. We will try in the future to get it up at different times. Although I should actually warn that over the next two weeks, I'm going to be in Barcelona. So who, who the knows? Fuck knows whether we're about to get an internet reception or be able yeah. to do the podcast for a couple of weeks. So and I that, guess we'll deal and, with that when we know. And I'd also say, if it really is pertinent to you to hear about the weekend's results, you know, earlier in the week, then there's some great podcasts you can check out. Um, oh yeah, Time, definitely. An AFL uh, podcast. They put an episode it's up awesome. on Monday. Um, that's really oh, good. Oh, and sometimes on, sometimes on Sunday night. Like sometimes that one will be up by the end of the weekend and you can listen yeah. to it on Sunday night. Yeah. Right. So treat us like a companion podcast, a lazy, uh, 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 ignorant, uh, companion to your friend who knows a lot about football. <laughs> right. We're an inferior knockoff that came out years later. <laughs> but you know, we're still there. Yeah. I mean, we may not be what you want. Look, we're not the podcast that you need. Yeah. But the, we're the podcast that you can have late in the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so should uh, we sign off with our traditional sign-off? Oh, yeah, okay. I, I think I remember, right? Play on, not 15. Ball! <laughs> <laughs> we are two guys, one car.